Hello, I'm Brett Helverson, associate producer of Some Assembly Required. Last week, Congresswoman Gwen Moore joined Representative Hintz to discuss the American Rescue Plan. Today, we continue the second part of our two-part series on the American Rescue Plan, this week featuring Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin. This is Some Assembly Required, a podcast hosted by the Wisconsin Assembly Democratic Caucus discussing what's happening in the state capitol and all things Wisconsin. I'm your host, Assembly Democratic Leader Gordon Hintz, representing the 54th Assembly District and the city of Oshkosh. Welcome, Senator Baldwin, to Some Assembly Required. It's my pleasure to join you. Thank you so much for having me. So last week, we hosted Congresswoman Moore, and and we talked about the American Rescue Plan, which really seems like um, a game changer. Uh, Here we are with Governor Evers' budget, and which is really aimed at, I think, trying to help get us through the uh, pandemic, contain the healthcare crisis, and really try to rebuild the economy in our communities around the state. Uh, And it really seemed like the American Rescue Plan had the same sort of goals. What do you think are some of the most important parts of the uh, rescue plan and and that really stand out for you in terms of what was important uh, in the Senate package? Well, I I mean, it's a tremendously important bill, perhaps one of the most important bills I've ever had a chance to vote on in all of my time in, in public office. And, you know, I see the American Rescue Plan as primarily focused on moving us from where we are right now, which is still in the midst of a pandemic, to uh, getting that pandemic in the rearview mirror by uh, the, the focus on vaccination um, and uh, making sure that we can provide equitable uh, expeditious access to uh, the approved vaccines, um, and uh, then dealing with the incredibly harmful uh, economic impacts that this pandemic has caused, with uh, you know still very substantial job loss, um, the situation where. Um, you know, some people lost their jobs because businesses closed or uh, took a long time out. Um, others quit their jobs because they had young children or elderly parents that required their care um, at home uh, because uh, child care centers and schools were no longer, uh, uh, you know, operating uh, in person, so to speak. And Therefore, uh, delivering the stimulus payments and um, the the tax credits that will lift um, families out of poverty, literally. And, And in fact, the American Rescue Plan is predicted to raise um, at least half of all children currently in poverty out of poverty. I wish it were a hundred percent, but boy, what a start, what an amazing um, uh, set of tools that we're using to permit that Um, the child tax credit, the uh, child independent care tax credit, the earned income tax credit as a combination. um, It is really going to impact uh, uh, lessening poverty during this pandemic. And then, um, you know, obviously extending unemployment insurance for those out of work, um, funding to help 
Wisconsin schools safely reopen, uh, resources for um, helping our states and local governments uh, meet the emergency that uh, they are on the front lines of. So, um, yeah, it's an extraordinary measure, and uh, I'm very proud of having a role in, in crafting it, shaping it, and passing it. You mentioned the, you know, obviously the economic impact on on business, which has really been devastating. But the thing that I think is striking is that so many segments of the economy are really doing well, um, in, in both on individuals and business. Really, a, a disproportionate impact, obviously, on uh, the service sector, hospitality, bars, restaurants, hotels, and then gyms, but also childcare. I mean, I've, I've talked to providers that that have closed. Um, but also, I think the disproportionate impact on on the inequalities that you, that you mentioned, and I think, you know, that's that's the part I think that people don't recognize is, um, you know, the inequalities that exist uh, existed before the pandemic were really uh, exposed further in that. Uh, the people most impacted were the most vulnerable. And, and I think the recognition uh, and the scale uh, of the American Rescue Plan was, was really aimed at that. Without question, but um, I, I think that's a great point. I want to sort of recognize Wisconsin's role and um, in particular Milwaukee County's role in um, helping identify uh, the disproportionate impact the pandemic was having on communities of color in particular. Um, About a year before the pandemic hit, uh, Milwaukee County uh, made the decision to recognize racism as a public health uh, issue, a public health crisis, if you will. And so it became one of the first communities that was mapping um, the pandemic, um, you know, new cases, um, and identifying individuals, um, uh, who tested positive based on, on race and ethnicity, gender, age, everything else. But that was probably the first in the country where you could like look at a literal map of a community and say, wow, this neighborhood is just being pummeled with cases. And then it, it led others to do the same. And it led all of us to have a greater understanding of the disproportionate impact on uh, vulnerable populations. And it informed our responses. So, you know, uh, you'll hear the new administration talking about um, you know, the vaccine distribution, um, you know, we want to do it rapidly, but equitably. And so let's have a really strong focus on equity as well as, you know, getting it, deploying it as quickly as, as we can. Um, Wisconsin was a real leader in, um, in recognizing these things. And, um, and I think the other thing, um, you know, it brought public attention which many of these systemic issues didn't have uh, to a a sufficient degree prior to that. I mean, there's many other things that brought public attention, Um, but I think that gets us to the the phrase build back better, that we don't want to go back to just restoring the status quo prior to the first COVID case in the U.S. We want to 
um, recover in a more equitable, fair, just way. And we want to build back better. It's hard to imagine, I think, ultimately what's occurred over the last year and um, the role of the federal government and state government and local government. Um, what do you think COVID has taught us about, about government response, um, you know, in general? And, and what do you think it means going forward? Well, I think it's very clear that the pandemic uh, has taught us that um, we need a whole of government approach. Um, and uh, we also need um, sort of national leadership uh, uh, and the federal government playing a leadership and coordinating role. Um, I also think it just says a lot about the importance of leadership generally. Um, I was a heavy critic of the previous administration um, for creating chaos uh, where they could have um, shown so much early leadership that would have um, prevented many deaths, many illnesses. Um, you know, it, the pandemic was not their fault, but their, uh, the, the fact that they were so ill-equipped to respond um, and, and basically handed so much of the responsibility to states, localities, private entities, that was... Um, an abdication of, of leadership. Um, so, you know, by way of an example, um, a pandemic starts, it's global. We need certain supplies, um, whether those are testing kits and swabs and reagents, or those are N95 masks, um, gown, paper gowns, uh, gloves, uh, sanitizer, and there's a global demand for it. And we find that there's not a sufficient number of domestic manufacturers that can um, pivot quickly to fill these needs. And rather than use the tools at their disposal, like the Defense Production Act, which President Trump could have used immediately to say, we need to be producing these products here. He basically left every entity, um, whether government or private, to their own devices to find what they needed to keep their own workers safe. So, uh, you know, you had uh, a, a city police department bidding against their county sheriff's department for N95 masks, let alone everyone else in that same community who needed it. Um, and that was chaotic and unhelpful. Um, so uh, the other thing that the president failed to do, uh, President Trump, that is, is uh, ask um, both the CDC and um, the Department of Labor, Occupational Safety and Health Administration to create standards for um, workplace safety. Uh, gosh, we could have avoided a lot of these local masking, um, uh, uh, you know, discussions and debates and arguments if OSHA had have said, this is what you need in this industry to have a safe workplace uh, during a pandemic. This is what you need in retail. This is what you need in, you know, and, um, and they never did that. That's their job. 
um, thank goodness the Biden administration is taking steps to uh, get to that in short order. Yeah, I mean, the Biden administration not only, I think, you know, recognized the lessons from his own front row seat uh, as vice president when you all had to deal with the Great Recession, but certainly, obviously, learning from the last year. And and I think we all uh, feel better about the leadership and certainty and direction and and certainly not wasting any time. Um, But the effort is part of the recovery plan or the rescue plan to uh, really incentivize and encourage the remaining 12 states to expand uh, Medicaid, um, which was a key component of the uh, Affordable Care Act. Uh, Wisconsin now stands to uh, save the $600 million of uh, you know, tax dollars here that would be saved by expanding Medicaid. But now there's an additional billion dollars in federal funding um, that we you know, could receive under the rescue plan uh, for expanding Medicaid. What do you think um, it'll take for legislative Republicans to accept the federal funds? You know, that could be used to expand health care and free up state tax dollars for other budget priorities. And, and why is this so important? I would hope that uh, all it will take is a recognition that this uh, American Rescue Plan uh, essentially provides um, uh all the incentive necessary for them to uh, take their heels out of the uh, mud and uh, and do this. But they really dig, dug their heels in. Um, I can't believe that Wisconsin, with all of its incredible traditions, is one of the 12 states left in the country that hasn't expanded Medicaid. And during a pandemic, for goodness sakes. Um, so, you know, everything... Uh, if it's not sufficient to uh, have the additional incentives to expand Medicaid in the American Rescue Plan, I would simply ask of the Republicans in the state legislature, listen to your constituents. Um, How frightening is it to be without health care during a pandemic? And until very recently, both with the new president and with the passage of the American Rescue Plan, um, there was, uh, you know, people were suffering with no sort of human response. Um, I am pleased, I want to just mention a couple of the things in the American Rescue Plan that enhance people's access to affordable health care. Um, but I, I, I want to end back on your point about getting Wisconsin to be um, one of the states that accepts Medicaid expansion. Uh, Donald Trump refused to uh, do a, a special open enrollment period during the pandemic for people to sign on to um, the Affordable Care Act marketplace insurance um, options. Uh, and that seemed uh, sort of astonishing to me uh, of the failure to do that, but um, but nonetheless he didn't. Um, and Joe Biden immediately opened a special open enrollment period during the pendency of this pandemic. Um, in addition, the American Rescue Plan lowers the premiums uh, that people have to pay um, in the Affordable Care Act. 
substantially um, and uh, and sort of eliminates that cliff uh, that people face if they make over 400% of poverty. It goes from, you know, a subsidy to nothing. And um, it, it, now it's a sort of glide path downwards instead. Uh, in addition, for those who have been terminated from jobs that had uh, employer-sponsored health care, um, you know, you can keep your employer-sponsored health care, but then you have to start paying 100% of the premiums because um, you're no longer employed there. And those are often uh, extremely expensive because you're paying both your share and the employer's share, and you don't have a job. You've just lost your job. So, um, so the American Recovery Plan is extremely generous in helping people pay those COBRA premiums. But now back to um, you know, the Medicaid um, in Wisconsin, we call it Badger Care, and um, the American Rescue Plan provides robust financial incentives for us to finally accept that federal investment in our Badger Care program. And it's time for Wisconsin legislative Republicans to listen to the people, to do the right thing, to take the money so that we can expand health care coverage and save taxpayers money. You know, getting more to just the, the state of where we are, uh, what are you looking forward to most? I mean, once we're able to talk about uh, the current COVID-19 global crisis in the past tense. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to start by answering it in the very personal uh, sphere. I want to see friends and family who I've only seen through Zoom for a year. And um, uh I want to give them a hug. Uh, I want to, uh, yeah, I want to be able to go back to uh, not elbow bumping, um, but maybe shaking hands, uh, you know, the things that just, uh, that, you know, that we do. And, um, and I really, you know, now that, you know, this increasingly is going to be um, behind us as long as we can urge our hesitant friends to not be so darn hesitant and um, uh, and as long as we continue to be um, safe and and practice things like masking and social distancing until we get to herd immunity as it's called but you know sufficient numbers of people vaccinated um, uh, despite what the Supreme Court and the state has recently done regarding uh, mask requirements, I'm I'm still fearing the possibility in the short term of another surge or surgelet in cases. I bet I'm one of those people who looks at the um, Wisconsin Department of Health Services website uh, pretty much every afternoon after they posted the new numbers, and I'm disturbed by the upward trend. Um, you know, it's not. It's not like we were seeing in January, but uh, I um, I don't want to see more more suffering um, and death. Uh, prior, when the when the when the hopeful news is so so much in front of us, and so uh, you know we can we can do this for another couple of months. Okay, so then politically or policy wise, um, you know we have now. We've passed the American Rescue Plan, and now 
we are um, about to undertake another really big, bold um, initiative, the American Jobs Act. Um, I will only note as an aside that I was, I would have sworn that Joe Biden was going to call it the Build Back Better Act. And I'm shocked that he didn't, but that's exactly what it is. And I'm really excited to get working on that so that we don't have the sort of seven-year sluggish recovery that we had after the Great Recession, but instead can really, um, well, you know, as, as our governor puts it, the badger bounce back, but, you know, do that uh, on a national scale um, in a way that really does build back better. Obviously, you guys have been able to govern and meet a lot more than uh, that we did uh, in in the last session, for sure. Uh, how much has it changed your ability to get things done in the Senate? Yeah, and and you know, sort of acknowledging that the U.S. Senate is a unique animal, and uh, frankly, um, you know, we've done things differently also than the House has. So the House figured out a way pretty early on to do. Uh, proxy voting so that they would not um, necessarily have to have all members during the raging times of the pandemic um, uh, convening in, uh, uh, you know, in small, socially undistanced ways. Uh, and uh, the Senate, uh, the, the, the ruling or the verdict was that um, the Senate is required to vote in person. And um, so throughout the pandemic, uh, we have been uh, meeting in person for our floor votes and our committee votes, but we've been able to do hearings and things like that uh, remotely, um, you know, using, using technology uh, and witnesses have been able to testify uh, uh, from a distance using uh, using technology. Um, interestingly, uh, the two caucuses of the Senate uh, went in very different directions with regard to caucusing. Um, the Republicans never stopped caucusing in person. Um, I will note, uh, you know, I think a higher COVID infection rate among uh, Republicans in the Senate than Democrats. We immediately started doing our caucus meetings virtually, um, at first by conference call and ultimately by Zoom, and um, and that worked pretty well. But let's talk about the constituents. Um, I found, as, as somebody who represents an entire state, um, I've probably met. I probably met more with more constituents than I would have in a year uh, prior to the pandemic because um, I could have, you know, sequential Zoom meetings. And, um, and I, you know, if I were back in the state, there would be driving distances between meetings. And that's all eliminated when you're, uh, uh, when you're having meetings on Zoom. Uh, secondly, uh, there's also this idea, I, I, this was true in the state legislature too, where people come and, um, you know, like superior days or uh, whether communities or um, interest groups come and take take to the halls of the state capitol and, and meet with y'all. And, um, 
And that is the same in Washington, D.C. They call them fly-ins. And so usually the spring would be filled with people flying into D.C. to talk about the issues of importance to their group, their profession, whatever their advocacy organization. And, you know, that for many organizations, it's um, each person paying their own airfare and their hotels, et cetera. So now when we have virtual fly-ins, I think there's much higher participation, uh, which is just really uh, intriguing and interesting to me. Um, so I think when we return post-pandemic to um, you know a capital, a U.S. Capitol building that's reopened to the public, um, that we'll probably use hybrid, uh, kind of like they're talking about with you know with the school experience for college kids, you know that. Um, that there'll be some people who actually fly in, but we'll have the technology to have others who couldn't um, take the time or the expense be able to join uh, by video conference and, you know, really be able to keep that um, larger interaction, including some in person, some uh, virtually. Um, well, let me pivot because I think it, um, you know, I think it really helps. We talked earlier about the the federal response, state response, local response, and, and sort of uh, the intergovernmental response, given that it's, it's local government who's meeting people on the ground. It's the state that's sort of coordinating local government, and it's the federal government who's doing everything. Um, you've, you've had quite a bit journey, but I, you know, all of these experiences I can imagine help you get an understanding of things. I can't imagine having your first office being elected to being the U S Senate. Can you talk a little bit, you know, through your journey when you got, you won that seat on the Dane County um, board of supervisors, um, you know, where, where did you think you end up? Uh, did you think it would ever be in the, in the U S Senate there during a pandemic? <laughs> um, so a uh, couple of things first, um, uh, yeah, I, I ran for the Dane County Board when uh, the predecessor announced her retirement. I represented the camp, university campus district of the Dane County Board. Um, I was a law student at the time. Um, one of my law professors told me that, uh, uh, that it, I could be a very good lawyer if I applied myself, but then he, after sternly saying that, had a twinkle in his eye and said, if you're going to run for county board, you'll have my full support. And I thought, oh, good, good. I got his blessing. Um, and I, I loved the, um, the, the hands-on nature of it, the intimacy of it, in the sense that I knew every building in my district. I um, had walked into it. I had um, talk to, uh, residents. Um, I, I probably knew, you know, on a name basis, a significant percentage of the people that I represented and, um, and their concerns. And, uh, that was so rewarding. And I really love the sort of hands-on approach of, of local government. Um, but the issues that brought me to, um, want to serve in elective office, particularly healthcare, and wanting it to be more accessible and affordable to everyone. I mean, I wanted healthcare for everyone. Um, the opportunity to have a greater impact at higher office, um, I guess, won over the the trade off of not knowing 
every um, every block of my district, right? Um, but even the state assembly, I, I knew it really well. Um, the uh, you asked if I sort of saw in the distance that someday I might be in the U.S. Senate, and I certainly. Uh, did not have any sort of master plan to keep on running for higher office. Uh, however, I will tell you that my college friends, if you ask them, uh, you know, they remember my having um, an interest in serving uh, at a, at a higher level. I don't, I don't recall that. Maybe, maybe they just, uh, uh, maybe they just make that up to, to, uh, to say they saw it, but I didn't. Um, but in any event, uh, yeah, at every at every step along that uh, that step ladder, uh, I had to weigh the, um, you know, the what you lose is that sort of more uh, direct, intimate knowledge of everything going on, uh, uh, the communities, the neighborhoods. Um, with a, a larger reach in terms of the impact of the policies that you can move through. You know, in terms of uh, maybe the jump from um, the legislature in Wisconsin to, to Congress or even to the U.S. Senate, um, you know, what part of your job was least like you, you thought it would be or, or what surprised you the most? Well, the most recent um, step for me was going from representing the second congressional district of Wisconsin to representing Wisconsin in the U.S. Senate. and. Um, you know, so I was already familiar with Washington, D.C., um, uh, and obviously very familiar with the second congressional district of, of Wisconsin. And I think about um, all the changes uh, for me uh, that occurred in that leap. Um, so first of all, you know, how many people even know the number of their assembly district, their county board district, their uh, state senate district, their uh, yeah congressional district. It's like I'm from the second congressional district. Nobody's you don't identify that. We identify as Americans. We identify as Wisconsinites or Badgers or you know whatever. And so the the, the sense of identity um, with uh, with a whole state is really interesting. I also. Um, I used to joke that uh, I represented uh, a landlocked congressional district. That's sort of a joke because there's Wisconsin has abundant uh, bodies of water and rivers, et cetera. But we're a state uh, with two great lakes and the mighty Mississippi is our West Coast. Um, but we have a North Coast and East Coast. And um, that was uh, that introduced me to a whole bunch of issues really vital issues that I hadn't really worked a lot on uh, prior to that. Um, our, our state, uh, once you get out of the second congressional district is quite varied, but, you know, getting to know the North Woods and, um, and getting to know uh, more of our manufacturing sector, um, all great and fabulous learning curves for me, um, which I think, you know, I, I jumped into with great gusto and zest. And um, anyways, yeah, it, it is, uh, it was surprising to me sort of how uh, almost it, it's easier to champion a state in its totality than um, this congressional district, which is, I'm not suggesting that anyone's 
in our delegation is not doing a fabulous job of representing their um, their constituency. But those lines change every 10 years. The state lines, thank God, don't. Um, although sometimes we could argue that we should annex the Upper Peninsula or something like that. You know, it would make more sense. Um, given you know the divisive nature of politics, I'm not saying that you don't understand that, but but I really appreciated your comments about the Wisconsin perspective. And maybe um, even though you operate in politics, uh, you're able to see clearer um, the the things that are important to to all of Wisconsin, or or the the, the things that still tie us together fabric wise. How do you in these times? Um, you know, how do you how do you stay optimistic or idealistic, uh, especially as long as you've been uh, fighting out there uh, for the people of our state? And you know, how do you stay idealistic, optimistic, and maybe you know, who are some of the new and up and coming leaders in politics that that you're excited about? <laughs> well, okay, so one has to be, in my mind, uh, a hopeful person to get into politics in the first place. I mean. Um, why would you put yourself through all that if you didn't have hope that our democracy could um, work to find solutions to challenges and problems um, to, to make our country stronger and better? Um, and uh, yeah, you have to have hope, especially during grim times, tough times, big challenges. And I do have hope. And um, uh, I can tell you, uh, which is repeating myself from earlier, but um, I do think the very recently passed American Rescue Plan is one of the most important pieces of legislation that has been passed in a generation, literally. Um, now, you know, one thing that we'll have to acknowledge is that a number of those provisions that are really hopeful are temporary uh, because this is pandemic focused. But I think if we see it making a huge difference in people's lives and the strengthening our communities, um, we'll have the arguments available to uh, make some of the provisions more permanent. Um, we, will, we will see. Uh, and um, I'm also extremely hopeful uh, about you know, the next major uh, pieces of legislation that we're gonna be working on in, in Congress. Um, you know, this is, uh, in terms of new up and coming, um, I'm going to stick to the Senate and stick to the two majority makers. Um, you know, on election day, uh, uh, Republicans were, or after election day, um, even after January 3rd, when the new Senate was sworn in, Republicans were still in the majority. Uh, but after the special elections in um, uh, Georgia, the, uh, the runoffs, um, I uh, was pleased to greet two new fabulous senators, um, the Reverend Raphael Warnock and uh, John Ossoff. Um, now, John Ossoff, uh, uh, it, uh, I guess, gets credit for being young and up and coming, <laughs> um, but they're, uh, they're incredible new colleagues. Um, it pulled off something quite, uh, remarkable in terms of um, the turnout they encouraged. Um, and, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say about the Georgia legislature's changing of all the voting rules because, you know, um, 
how could how could John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock have won Georgia and flipped the U.S. Senate? Uh, better not. Uh, well, you you know what they've done, and we see uh, similar endeavors in in Wisconsin. However, uh, they give me hope too. Well, uh, now we get to the point, Senator Baldwin, where we do something a little bit of uh, you know opportunity to do the Wisconsin speed round, where we're going to have to. You have to think quick, uh, answer some questions, and uh, you know demonstrate some preference, even if it's not easy. Which uh, which do you prefer, uh, serving in the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate? Senate. All right. What show are you currently watching? Shit's Creek. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite place to visit in Wisconsin? Madeline Island. Uh, what's your go-to session day snack, or I'm going to say snacks, given that I've tuned into C-SPAN awfully late before? <laughs> um, I would say sea salt and vinegar kettle chips. like it. I like it. Uh, state fair or Summerfest? State fair. What was your first car? Um, it was, uh, I had a name for it, Rhonda the Talented Honda. What was your first job? Uh, working in a fast food restaurant. Okay. Do you remember which fast food restaurant? It was um, an experimental branch of Kentucky Fried Chicken that didn't really make it. They tried their hand at a uh, Mexican food franchise. Um, uh, yeah, they didn't make it, but I worked in, in that uh, that little temporary experiment of a restaurant. I, I, well, gosh, I can't believe it didn't make it. <laughs> um, squeaky or fried cheese curds? Squeaky. What is your favorite song to karaoke to? Okay, this is gonna sound weird, but note that when I do it, um, I usually change the lyrics. I just kind of think it's kind of fun to belt it out, but it's the, the melody is The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite state park in Wisconsin? Oh, that's tough. Um, Either Devil's Lake or Blue Mound State Park. Uh, if you had to live in one Wisconsin season forever, which one would it be? Summer. Do you have a, I asked you about your snack. Do you have a pre-session, you know, hype song or that gets you ready for a you know, big vote or a big day? Or, um, or maybe do you have a, if you had to walk out onto the floor to any song, what would it be? Well, I certainly know, uh, like at, at our state conventions, I have a, a, a walk-on song or whatever that's called. Um, I'll take you there. Okay. Um, staple singers, yeah. I've, I've actually, I've been there for that and it works for you if you're wondering. So <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've, had, I've had some fails before. We kind of sit around and say, what should I walk out to? And uh, I think I'm about 75% right now. <laughs> um, uh, favorite politician, um, alive or dead? Democrat and or Republican, or some of some of those, uh, his, you know, that, that you've really admired well, the, that have been inspirational for you. Yeah, this is a Republican fighting La Bob LaFollette Sr., uh, uh, senator in whose seat I now serve. But by the way, for those who don't remember that uh, Wisconsin history, um, he served over a century ago and he founded the Progressive Party. Um, but yeah, the Progressive Party was founded by uh, 
progressive Republicans. Favorite committee that you've served on? And I'm going to leave and bring that, you know, including in the uh, legislature, but <laughs> in Washington as well, just in case, you know, one of the, uh, you know, you go back, uh, I think uh, Gwen Moore brought it back, I think, to the state. But um, yeah, what's, the, what's, what's one of your favorite committees that you've served on in, in your time in Washington? House Energy and Commerce Committee. Um, and this, we got to end strong here. Kringle or Cream Puff? Cream Puff. You are you are off the hook. There are no wrong answers on questions like that. Well, this is it for this episode of Some Assembly Required. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Assembly Dems WI. That's Assembly Dems WI. And I want to say a special thank you to this week's guest, Senator Tammy Baldwin, for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. And some Assembly Required will be back next time. And until then, this is Assembly Democratic Leader Gordon Hintz.